Welcome to the Seed Together podcast. With your help joining our Patreon, we can keep making inspiring interviews possible. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our vision to help the Seed Together podcast continue. Delia is a cold water surfer from Northern California who works passionately to raise awareness about the environment through Surfrider Foundation. Thank you so much, Delia, for joining us on the podcast again. And just starting off, I was reading more about you online and how you surf kind of bigger waves in cold water. And how I wanted to ask you, how has surfing bigger waves in cold water places compared to warmer water places in the world? And how has cold water surfing inspired you? Yeah, totally. Um, So I grew up surfing and learned to surf in cold water from Northern California. So it's just kind of been a part of surfing for me forever. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I was kind of born into it, but yeah, I've been growing up in this area to surf. You kind of have to surf bigger waves since that's what we got. So as, uh, as I've gotten older and just want to keep trying to push my limits and (laughs) figure out like, yeah, what I can do. I'm really enjoying, um, pursuing a little bit of bigger waves and, um, yeah, I just love the whole feeling that goes along with it. It's such a, it's such a challenge and a rush. And, um, one of the things I really like about it is just like the confidence it gives you in yourself though, too. Like, you really have to trust yourself when you're going out into bigger waves. And if you feel like you belong out there or not, or like if how you're feeling that day and check in with yourself all the time. And it's, uh, it's the best feeling when you're just in that zone and you have that, like knowing that, um, you can do it. And then after uh, a good session of big wave surfing, you can, you just feel like you can go and conquer the world afterwards. You're like, I was just like on this other planet. Like I can go do anything now. So I love that. Um, and yeah, cold water adds a little more of a, I think a scarier element. Um, cause you're, you're not as comfortable, you're cold and, um, the water is kind of darker usually, and you're wearing a thick wetsuit and, um, so it just, uh, yeah, adds a little bit more to it. I've done a little bit of bigger waves in warmer water too. And it usually just like, you're like, oh, I see like palm trees and warm water, even I'm getting pummeled. Like it's nice under here sometimes. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the colder water, you really have to want it a little bit more. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you're describing all of that. And have you ever had like a hold down in cold water before? Yeah, for sure. Um, my most recent one was one of my scarier ones. I was out um, surfing one of our premier bigger wave spots and um, got like pretty much one of the waves of my life <laughs> to this day it was a huge wave and I somehow scratched into it and, and had this amazing ride. And then I saw the, the barrel starting to come at me and I was like, okay, I have to go for this. So I tried 
pulling in, but something, uh, pilot error went a little bit wrong. And I think I did, I had my angle wrong and ended up like punching through the back of the wave and getting tossed over with the lip. And I was under for a while and just remember like, okay, like, you know what to do, stay calm. Like, um, and then, you know, you're under there. You're like, I'm staying calm, staying calm. Okay. I actually need to get some air now. So we were like taking a few big strokes up to the surface, hoping it was the surface mm-hmm. and thinking like, all right, I've been under for a minute. Like I might need to hopefully take a really good breath and hope that the next wave isn't already on top of me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I came up and luckily I did get a breath of air, but, and the wave next wave was like really close and just went right back under and um, that one, actually, I came up from that one after getting pretty ragdolled and my board was broken in half. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. But luckily I was okay. And, um, luckily there was a friend on a jet ski nearby and he was able to come over and swoop me up. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you kind of come back mentally when you have situations like that happen? Yeah, I think... You know, I mean, most of the time, um, you come up and you're okay. And like, have, like, it feels like you almost want to laugh sometimes. Cause you're like, wow, I just like, I'm okay after that. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I luckily haven't had too many really traumatizing knock on wood mm. experiences yet. Um, but I think in general, it's just like wanting to train more and prepare yourself more so that you do feel comfortable in those situations. And when you're out there, like just always be ready for the worst thing to happen and know what to do and just have that like mental preparedness backing up. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, the next question is kind of switching over to, I know you work for Surfrider mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask what environmental issues are you most passionate about working with the Surfrider Foundation in Northern California and why? Yeah, for sure. So um, for those who don't know, the Surfrider Foundation is a nonprofit that's dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of our ocean waves and beaches. Um, And we have a main headquarters office down in San Clemente. And then we have um, all kinds of local chapters all over the country. Um, And those are like our volunteers who do all the work on the ground. And um, I've been a volunteer with Surfrider for a long time. And then I more recently got hired on a staff. So now my position is the Northern California Regional Coordinator. Um, So I help out our chapters from Humboldt down to San Luis Obispo. Um, That's a little bit of background on that. But yeah, I just, um, I love that everything about surf riders, like protection and enjoyment. So um, we're not just like all about like the doom and gloom and like uh, really serious, like we like to have fun a lot too. Um, because that's the whole point of like why we want to save these areas and protect them so we can go out and surf and kayak and swim or whatever you like to do. 
Um, and of course, preserve the environment too. But um, yeah, some of the main things I've been working on um, the past couple of years, we've had a campaign to stop new offshore oil drilling. Um, so it's been a main focus of mine. So the uh, Trump administration a couple of years ago put out a proposed plan to try to drill off of like 90% of U.S. coastal waters. Yeah, um, yeah which is like no good. Um, so we had all hands on deck to partner with like a bunch of other organizations and businesses and our elected officials and uh, do our best to try to stop that plan from happening, which we have succeeded so far. There is potentially still a threat, even though um, this administration is on the way out. We don't know what's going to happen. So that's still a priority campaign of ours. Um, But that one's been really cool to work on because it's such a huge thing and, um, and would have such a terrible impact if there were to be more drilling off of our coast. Um, I really liked working on that. Cool. And what keeps you going when you come up with, come against kind of multiple hurdles when you're fighting for these things? How do you stay focused? Yeah. Um, it's, it can be really hard. <laughs> um, environmental work is like super tough because you do feel like you're getting beat down over and over again sometimes. Um, but I think one of the main things is like the people I get to work with are so amazing and, um, you feel such inspiration and great teamwork from everyone. Um, we really encourage each other to keep going and, um, with Surfrider, most of the people I work with are volunteers. So they're just purely doing this because they care. And, um, that's really inspiring to me. Um, and, and then you do get to see wins sometimes, um, which is like, wow, like even with this drilling thing right now, like we have held it off long, this long. So um, I, I think without Surfrider and these other organizations, we could very well be seeing more drilling going on off our coast. So um, it's sometimes something hard to conceptualize because you can't kind of an abstract thing, but um, it definitely feels good and um, makes you want to keep going. That's awesome. And how do you get other people hyped on protecting the environment or maybe even people that, you know, might not have a great relationship to nature? Yeah. um, One of our main things with Surfrider is beach access itself and just um, getting people to the beach. Um, so I think like, as soon as people have a connection with nature, um, they automatically care and want to do something to protect it, whether it's something as small as like using a reusable water bottle or like becoming a surf rider volunteer or, you know, um, anything bigger, but, um, just having that connection is the most important thing. So, um, yeah, one of our main goals is like breaking down these invisible barriers and like getting all kinds of people to the beach, you know, it's like an inner city community or 
one of the things we've been working on in San Francisco recently was getting uh, more permits for nonprofits to have surf camps on a certain beach, um, Pacifica. Um, so that was a really cool one to work on. Cause now like there's a group called Brown Girls Surf and City Surf Project, and they're bringing people to the beach and teaching them how to surf who would normally never get to do that. So, um, yeah, just making that connection possible. That's really cool. What is one of your favorite stories that has inspired you from your years of working at Surfriders? Like someone that told you like how it was impactful to them personally, I guess. So one of the things that got me involved with Surfrider in the very beginning was um, I live in Humboldt County and along the stretch of coast that is like my favorite to surf along the, it's called the Samoa Peninsula. Uh, there used to be these big pulp mills out there. And this is back in like the 1980s. Um, these pulp mills were operating. They were discharging all their gross effluent um, into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it was making the water like super toxic and people mm-hmm. would go surf out there and get sick and it was harming marine life and surf riders stepped in and won one of the biggest clean water act lawsuits of the time and uh, made the pulp mills uh, clean up their act. And eventually they shut down. But um, I remember always hearing that story when I was a kid, because now Mm. we can go and surf that area and it's, totally fine. Um, but it was because of the surf rider foundation that, um, played a huge role in helping, uh, clean that area up. So that's always inspired me to get involved when I was a kid. Yeah. That's kind of the beginning. (laughs) That's really cool. How it kind of traced back to when you were younger. Yeah, totally. Awesome. And how do you personally, maintain a relationship with nature and how does that in turn affect how you see yourself and the world around you? I know that you mentioned that's a big part of Surfrider too is enjoyment. For sure. I pretty much go surfing every day. (laughs) Um, That's my daily routine is just wake up before dawn and go down to the beach like no matter what. And I usually end up surfing even if it's not that good just because getting in the salt water feels amazing and watching the sunrise and just having that moment to start your day off um, before work or whatever else you have going on that day. It's like, it's like doing yoga or meditating, I think, or, you know, going to church or I don't know, something like that. But yeah, I think just, I have to do that almost every day. If I don't do that, I feel funny for the rest of the day. I think just, yeah, always, always going to visit the ocean or whatever spot you think is, you know, special, the mountains or the forest or whatever, and just taking it in for a minute. Um, Yeah. Cool. And then are there any topics that you kind of wanted to cover in the episode that we didn't cover already? Um. I did uh, work at a 
women's surf camp for a couple of years. I guess I could touch on that. Yeah, that'd be great. So how did you get started into working at a women's surf camp? And how did you see that as any different from like a normal surf camp, you know, in the way that maybe it impacted people? For sure. I got started because through some friends, um, I knew the owners of the women's surf camp. It's called Surf with Amigas. Um, Yeah, and they're in Nicaragua and Costa Rica mostly, and then a couple other locations sometimes. Um, But yeah, I just, I hit up the friends and bugged them enough until (laughs) there was a spot open for me to be an instructor. And uh, it was an awesome experience um, getting to live in Nicaragua for about four months um, in a really remote location and just getting to kind of be a part of that community and, um, and teach women how to surf or help them improve their surfing skills or um, they'd, they'd come to the camp kind of, everyone usually came to the camp in a time of their life where something was going on where they wanted to like try something crazy. I'm going to go to Nicaragua and learn how to surf. So like maybe they had just gotten divorced or maybe it was opposite. Maybe they had like gotten a promotion at work or, but something usually big had happened. So it was cool to use surfing as that thing that like helps people through a hard time or is like a celebration. Or, um, yeah, it, it really had a great like feeling of community and, um, and yeah, the women always like were, came out, out of the week, a completely different person after having that experience. And, um, so it was really, really cool to be a part of that. Cool. How, I guess my question is like in teaching women how to surf, I know teaching surfing is really difficult. So is there anything that you kind of learned through that experience of just like teaching others how to surf? Yeah. Uh, mostly a lot of patience. (laughs) Um, it's, it's a difficult one to learn. Um, so definitely a lot of patience, but also just, uh, I think experiencing someone catching their first wave makes you feel like you're catching your first wave again too. And you can like see that stoke in them and it's so awesome. Um, so it it was just a, a great way to like kind of give back or something that I've been able to learn. I was just saying, I don't, I've never really had much patience to teach people how to surf. So I always admire people that have that capacity to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And I guess that's, that's it. We'll just wrap it up. And then is there any like last things you just want to tell people or things that you think people should know just about your perception of life? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah. I'm really stoked and honored to be interviewed on this podcast. I think it's great. Listen to some of your other episodes. So thanks. Yeah, it's it's really cool that you're doing this. And yeah, I think just 
get out there, to get out in the water however you can and, um, and enjoy it. Cause, um, we have a very special lucky life if you get to spend it, um, anywhere near or in the ocean and, um, yeah, always happy to, if you're in the humble area, look me up and we'll go surf. Want to learn more about the stories of surfers globally, events, and be a part of our community? You can find out more on seatogether.com or our Instagram, c.together.mag. Hope to see you next time. Special thanks to Caroline Valk for music and sound design. And Sophia Knox for editing.